Okay, and welcome to Wednesday Night Gospel Baptist Church Bible Study. Great to have everybody with us this evening. Um, and uh, everybody can hear bit by bit, but great to see everybody anyway. So uh, let's open our Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 17. It's going to be a lot of Bible reading today, uh, because we've a lot to read. We'll have to see what we do and what we don't read. But Genesis chapter 17 in your Bibles. Genesis chapter 17. So this evening, I just want to sort of take a little bit of a deviation and talk a little bit about what's going on in the Middle East and what's going on uh, between Israel and Hamas. Now, um, this all comes down to the boundaries of Israel. This is what it really comes down to. The key question is, did, well, one key question we're going to talk about is, did, does Israel inherit all the promised land? But before we even get to that, I'm going to ask the question, is Israel legitimately there? Is the nation of Israel legitimately there? Like, and we know it, it, they are, but why? Why have the Hamas no right to try and uh, claim the Palestinian Authority area, the, the Palestinian region for themselves, so to speak? Why have they no right to claim the Gaza Strip? Why, from the river to the sea, why is that wrong? Why is it wrong to make such a statement? Now, there's some moral issues, of course. The moral issues are you can't just get rid of 8 million people and pretend they don't exist. You can't exterminate them. We don't want another Hitler regime. We don't want more concentration camps. And people like the Hamas would be glad to have that. They're, they're, from, they're Islamic extremists. And uh, anybody with any moral conscience would, would reject what they're doing. But question, why are Israel there? Have they a right to that land? And have they even got everything they don't have a right to? And we want to deal with all these questions this, this evening. Now, uh, there are, I, want to, I want to say I'm really glad for the, for the European support for Israel. Uh, Israel's support is very tenuous. Sorry, Israel's. Ireland's support for Israel is very tenuous. Publicly, our Taoiseach has said, yes, he is supportive, but on the other side, he's, he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. And I don't appreciate that, but we need to pray for him. And that's Sunday's message. We need to pray for those in authority. But I do want to talk about today about what's going on uh, a little bit with Israel and talk about the boundaries. Now, first thing I want to share with you, number one, God made a promise to Abraham that he would fulfill. We've looked at this, but there are at least 170 references to the land that God gave to Abraham. Now, there are two characteristics to the land. First of all, the promise was unconditional. Okay? Let me say that again. The promise of the land to Israel was unconditional. It is unconditional. Genesis 17 verse 8 says this. And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. What does everlasting mean? I think we all understand that. If I said to you, God is offering you everlasting life, you'd understand that. You'd, you'd be happy with that. Well, the land of Israel was an everlasting possession given to Abraham and his seed. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 21. I may ask some, for some help with some scriptures. Uh, Deuteronomy 11, 21. Raise your hand. Genesis 26, verse 3. Genesis 26, verse 3. Uh, Eileen. Um, Genesis 48, verse 3 and 4. Hannah. Julie. Deuteronomy 1, verse 8. And um, Numbers 32.11, Numbers 32.11, Dexter, and Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 35, and then verse 39. I didn't even get that. Deuteronomy 1, 35, and then verse 39. Okay, and I'm going to go to Psalm 105, when you're going to your scriptures, and we're going to look at these scriptures this evening, so we can see. We have a lot of scripture we're going to go through, because this is well-founded on scripture, okay? This is well-founded on scripture. 
God has made a statement about this, and, and multiple times we've got to understand what he's saying. So there are two characteristics uh, to this promise that God has made. There are 170 references, but there are two key characteristics to these promises. Number one, the promise was unconditional. We've, read, we've already read Genesis 17, verse 8, but Deuteronomy 11, verse 21. That your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Okay, so God swore. Not as in a, a curse word, of course, but God made a promise. He vowed. He made, he, made his, he swore to them that they, they would have it. Psalm 105, verse 8 and 11. 8 and 11, that's me. Sorry, I got that. Psalm 105, verse 8. Let's go back to page. It says here, He has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Is this world a thousand generations old? No. If you look up liberal websites, I say liberal, I mean God-rejecting um, websites, you'll find statements like there was an ancient civilization in the land of Israel going back 120,000 years ago. And it's just like they just make up these figures. It's like they say the world is 4.6 billion years old. I thought it was 4.5. <laughs> Oh, maybe it's 4.4. I mean, and everybody says 4.6. They just make up, they just pluck these figures out of the sky. It's not based on science whatsoever. Now, they may say it's science, but I would say it's science falsely uh, so-called. But anyway, I, want to get, I won't get into that. And they use these circular reasoning for their dating mechanisms. And we won't even get into that today. But I want to say this. A thousand generations, this world is not a thousand generations old. You could do the maths if you want to figure out how old the world is, but I'd say it's somewhere between six and 10,000 years old, depending on whether there are gaps in the genealogies. But it is not 10,000. 10,000 generations would be at least four, four, was it? 40 by 10,000, that's like, that's 400,000 years old. The world is not 400,000 years old. We have not gotten to 10,000 generations yet. This is, it's a way, it's a statement of saying this is unconditional, this is everlasting. It's a biblical expression. God will use it in the New Testament 10,000 times 10,000. It's the idea of myriads. It's, it's, it's just infinite. You can't put a number on it, okay? Look at verse 9. Which covenant he made with Abraham and his altar to Isaac and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Everlasting. So there you go. 10,000 generations, everlasting covenant saying, unto thee will I give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. So this is a promise that God has made to, to Abraham, and it was unconditional. Okay? The second characteristic was, it was made to the seed. It was made not just to Abraham, but to his seed. Genesis 26, verse 3. So you're in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee. For unto thee, and unto thy seed, I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. So God made a promise not just to Abraham, but to all Abraham's lineage through certain, through certain uh, genealogy, okay? Uh, Genesis 48, verse 3 and 4. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and blessed me, and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people, and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. So you see God making the same promise to Jacob as he did to Abraham, because these are everlasting promises. Deuteronomy 1 verse 8.
You see, God made the promise not just to Abraham, but to Abraham and to Isaac, and not just them, but Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is an everlasting promise, this unconditional promise to Abraham and his seed. Now, some did miss out on the promise, right? Some did miss out, okay? And uh, we read that in Numbers 32, verse 11. Who did I give that to? So God said they didn't wholly follow the word. So some of those people in the nation of Israel that came across the Red Sea would not enter into the promised land. Unfortunately, Moses was among them. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 35 and 39. Okay, thank you. So we see that God made promise to Abraham. There were 170 references. That's a lot, okay, that, that God gave to Abraham. And there are two characteristics, unconditional and to the seed. Some of Israel missed out, but Joshua was given the whole land. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 3. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 28. So we're trying to follow this through. It's a lot of scripture we're going to look at this evening because we're following this through. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 28. It says here, but charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt take. So Moses was given the, given the charge to Joshua, but Joshua would enter into the land, not Moses. Okay? Joshua 21, verse 43. Joshua 21, verse 43. I need something to get Deuteronomy 4 verse 1. Will you raise your hand for Deuteronomy 4 verse 1? Thank you, Okay, thanks. Uh, Deuteronomy 19 verse 8. Deuteronomy 19 verse 8. Thanks, sir. And I need to think of Joshua 23 verse 13. Okay, so Joshua, I'm gonna, Joshua 23 verse 13. But I'm going to go to Joshua 21. says this and the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers and they possessed it and dwelt therein so Joshua was given the whole land but complete possession was conditional so they were given the whole land as God promised but complete possession was conditional okay conditional upon what Deuteronomy 4 verse 1 So what was the condition that God placed upon Israel for them to be able to possess the land that God had already given them? Commandment. Commandment. Obeying the commandments. Deuteronomy 19 verse 8. 
God wanted the nation of Israel and the nation of Israel only to obtain the land and it was to be their land. Now let me ask you a question. Does that mean that foreigners were not allowed into land, yes or no? No. No, it doesn't. How do we know? And you're right, but how do we know? So this is not ethnic cleansing, as some might call it. This is not um, looking for an Aryan race, as some might call it. This is not, look, this is not um, racism, as other people like to call it. I don't like the word racism, because there's only one race. But this is, not being, this is not discrimination. This is looking for purity. But how do we know that God would allow foreigners into land? I know he says it isn't more, but I'm aware. Okay. He said he took away it, but he said not to marry them. Okay. So that's on the assumption that, well, they will be there. Okay. 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 Okay, so we're laws in there about not marrying. Okay, fair enough. Accept that for sure. How else? How else do we know that God would allow foreigners in? They did not completely close borders, so to speak. Hannah? Isn't when later in the Bible, when David was
And some are saying, and I haven't looked into the legalities of it, but opening the door to polygamy in this country. So not just having monogamous marriages, but, but allowing people to have multiple wives. And, but that, that, that's, those are the countries God chased out of, out, out of, out of Palestine or out of Canaan. Do you understand what I'm saying? I like to call it Palestine because that's the pagan name for it. But Canaan, those are the nations God was cast out of Canaan. That, that was the sin that was going on, brethren. Okay. Okay. So let, let's let's look beyond this now. Uh, Joshua twenty three thirteen. Did we look at that? Joshua twenty three thirteen. We did read that. Okay. Judges chapter two verse one to three. And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I have made you to go up to, out of Egypt, and I have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and, they shall, and their God shall be a snare unto you. And that's exactly what happened to Israel. Because they didn't cleanse the land of all the idolatry and all the immorality, the immorality and idolatry came in on them. You know, if you take a look at, at Lot, Lot took, took steps, his steps of compromise. Number one, he was told by Abraham, you choose one section of land, I'll choose the rest. He looked at the well-worn plains. He put money and finances and physical benefits first. Second thing, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Third thing, he was in Sodom. Fourth thing, he was at the, at the seat at the gate of, of Sodom. And, his, and fifth thing, he married his kids off to, to, to the Sodomites. And then, then he lost the whole plot. You take step after step after step after step of compromise if you follow what these people have done. So this is not recommended. I think we all agree with that. Okay. So that's why God told Israel, don't do those things. But they were given these boundaries. Okay. Now, for Israel, brethren, so what complete possession was conditional. Now, Israel, for Israel, it was all about the land. The blessing of God on the nation of Israel was directly linked to the land. It was always about the land, always about the physical issues. Now, I want to tell you something. We can't take the Old Testament and directly apply it to ourselves. Those were promises for Israel. Because for us, it's not all about the land. Now, if for you, it's all about the land. Maybe you've got too much farming stock in you. Because farmers, it's all about the land, and they fight over a blade of grass. And I'm not exaggerating, they really do. And you know, but Israel, it was all about their land. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 28 verse 8 says here, The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses, and all thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And, and Christians like to take that upon themselves, indeed, this is a blessing, but look, it's not that God can't bless us physically or financially. We're not saying that. But these are the promises to Israel, specifically because it was all about their land. The Bible says this was the land that the Lord watered because rain, they were dependent on the rain and God blessed them in due season with rain and he promised he would bless them in due season with rain if they would obey his commandments and he promised he would withhold the rain if he didn't. And what did Elijah do? What did Elijah do? He, he prayed. And how long did the rain hold back? Three and a half years. 
Because Abraham, because I, uh, Elijah went to the word of God and says, God, you promised you would hold the land. Look at how disobedient our people were, are, are. And God took his promises and says, okay, Elijah, I'm going, to, I'm going to keep my promises. You with me here? All he was doing was claiming the promises of God. So we're going back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, look at verse 11. It says here, And the Lord shall make thee plenteous and goods and fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of the ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. And this is the promise to the nation of Israel. It's a very specific promise. Now the ultimate loss of their blessing would be losing their land. That's the worst thing they could possibly think of, was losing their land. Now why was it so bad for Israel to lose their land? Let me, let me read the scripture and then we'll talk about it. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 19. It says, But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck them, sorry, then will I pluck them up, yeah, them, up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them, and this house, which I have sanctified for my name, and will cast them out of my sight, and will make it as a proverb and a byword among all nations. What's God saying there? What's verse 20 talking about? Blessings are in the land. Okay, but what's verse 20 talking about? I will pluck them, Israel, out of the land, and what will he do? What's, what's verse 20 talking about? His house is going to cast them out of my sight and make it a proverb and a byword. What happened to Israel? How many times was Israel taken out of the land? Twice. When was the first time Israel was taken out of the land? The Israel was taken out first by Assyria. Assyria, 722 BC. What about the southern kingdom? Who took them out? Babylon, by here. 586 BC. Okay, there was three captivities. 620, I think that, that was with Daniel. And then there was uh, two other captivities. 604, I think it was, and then 586, okay? So, so there's three captivities, okay? So... So, so those captivities then took them out of the land altogether, right? And the, so the Assyrian captivity, Babylonian captivity, and then in 586 BC, Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed by the Babylonians, right? They were taken out of the land. When did they return? Many years later. 70 years later, okay? And do you remember Daniel, chapter 9, verse 24 to 27? 70, year, 70 weeks is determined upon thy people. Well, that's part of all that. It plays into all from the, from the command to rebuild the temple. It shall be three score and, and there was a three score and two weeks and, and seven weeks. So 69 weeks and then of the Messiah priest, okay? So just 69 weeks and then we're, we're waiting for the seventh week. But the point is this, they were taken out of the land and they returned back. They returned back with Zerubbabel. Then there was a return back with Nehemiah. Do you remember? Or, or with Ezra, sorry, not Nehemiah. And so there was a few, there was a few returns, okay? And so they were back in the land again. Then they're taken out of the land a second time. The, the temple was destroyed the second time. Who destroyed the temple the second time? You don't have to name the person, but what nation? What nation destroyed the temple the second time? The Babylonians did it the first time. Who did it the second time? Rome. Rome. Okay, 
And remember that Rome totally destroyed that one stone would, not, would be left to top of another. Remember Jesus, Jesus prophesied that. And the disciples said, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? Okay, so the temple was absolutely destroyed, 70 AD. 130 AD, Titus came in and leveled Jerusalem, okay? And they were completely taken out of the land altogether. You with me here? And they were out of the land up to when? When did they return back to the land again? 1948, right? 1948, okay? I remember, it's a year after my dad was born, okay? 1948, okay? They were brought back into the land. They came back into the land, okay? Now, here's, here's the thing. This, these were all prophesied that, that the worst thing possible would be to lose their land, okay? But the blessing would be upon repentance. I've got lots of scriptures here. We don't have time to go to all the scriptures. But there's a, pop, there's a, a wonderful verse we'd love to quote. If my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and forgive their sin, and heal their land. And then that passage goes on to say that he would restore them to the land as well. And when, when, when God would restore his people upon repentance, but only in his time. See, just because we repent of our sin doesn't mean all of a sudden there's immediate restitution. Now, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That doesn't mean that the restitution happens. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes it's a time lapse, okay? So there will be a restoration, but it will be in God's time. So the first time they returned after 70 years, the second time, it was a lot longer. How long roughly was it for their second return? 1900 years. Okay, from 130 AD to 1940, okay, maybe more like 1800 years, okay? That's a long time. And it's interesting when you read commentators and they're talking about Israel and they say, and, and you're reading these, these commentators I read will be hundreds of years old sometimes and, and they'll be saying, Israel is a wasteland. You go there and Lightfoot, professor, not professor, Dr. Lightfoot was there and he's this great scholar that everybody likes to talk about. I'd like to get some of his books to see what he says because everybody goes back to Lightfoot. Dr. Lightfoot was there and he makes these statements and then Whitby says this and he over there and, and, and like there's nobody there but Bedouins. Nobody there. Now you're looking in 1948 and the white papers and, and, and the Jews return to their land. Now before we get to the Jews returning to their land why was it so important that, that Israel had the land? What was the blessing? What was the importance of Israel having their land? The people, the Jews have their land. What was the importance of it? What do you think? Hmm? The Messiah. Messiah. Okay, that's a very important thing. But apart from that, that's true. For the Messiah to come back to. Okay, but what else is what's so important about Israel having their own land? And the, people, the Jews having their own land? Was it related to the fact that Abraham was already told that it was going to be their land? And yeah. They, 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 that's important. That's important. But for everyone, do you know what 90% of the Jewish people are, are, are non religious? They're Zionists. They don't care about the promises of Abraham. But for them, why are they there? Because they have no identity anywhere. You know, we were over in America. You say, I'm Irish. Ah, great. What's it like back in Ireland? Your identity is not in America. As an Irish person, your identity is in Ireland. And you talk about the homeland. When the Jews were taken out of their land and said, I'm Jewish, they had no identity. They just said, oh, I'm Jewish. 
That's all they had. They had no country that they could they could look to. No, nobody understands it. There is no other culture, no other nation that was completely taken out of the land, and then that land restored years later. Israel is unique. You with me here? And that's why the revisionists want to rewrite history and say, no, they didn't exist, and, and they took over this land that belonged to the Palestinians. That's a load of hogwash. It's just made up stuff. Yes. I was uh, talking to a man in one of the hospital visits recently, and it came up about what's going on in Israel. And you have to be very careful who you're talking to. Yeah. And I went to say, well, look, when Jesus walked with him, I was witnessing to him, mm. and he turned around and said to me, oh, don't go back 3,000 years. And he put an end to the conversation. Wow. So people don't want to hear. They don't want to hear about Israel or being their land. No, and they don't. And you know when um, they find these archaeological digs, and, and it's just like, how can you explain a menorah? <laughs> they used to think the menorahs were like this, you know, that the, the arms of menorah are like that. And how did they find out they were like that? Because they had archaeological digs. The one thing that disappointed me about going to Israel at first was, I thought, I'm going to go there, I'm going to learn all about the culture. And I realized I'd learned just as much by sitting at home. Because they learn what they learn about their own country from digging in the ground. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. They, they don't have like they don't have this culture that goes back thousands of years unless they go underground to try to discover who were we? Because the devil tried to wipe out their whole culture. There's no other language in this world that has ever been revived, like the Hebrew language. It was almost extinct, but it wasn't extinct, but it was almost extinct and has completely been revived. That is, that is, this is the work of God. So I'm just trying to explain to you that God made a promise to Abraham, and for Israel it was all about the land, and, we, and we've given many reasons for that. But the other thing is, the boundaries of Israel is defined by Scripture. Let's go to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, verse 18 to 21. Oh, there's so much in this, and we don't have time to go to it all, but we're, we're coming towards the end here. Genesis 15, verse 18 to 21. It says here, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, Abraham would be called Abraham later, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaims, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. There's your Jebusite there, Hannah, king of Jebus, gave warning to Jebusite, right? So that their land was given. And so that land was defined by scripture. And the, the definition of it is found in verse 18 from the river, okay, of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Now, where along the river of Euphrates are we talking about? Okay, that's the big question. Okay, now from Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 24, we learn a little bit more. What we know is from the Nile in Egypt to the Euphrates, which goes through Iraq, Mesopotamia, Babylon, depending what time segment you're in. Okay, um, and the uttermost sea could be the Arabian Sea. So where's the Arabian Sea? You can see the Arabian Sea there. Your bottom right-hand corner there. There's the Arabian Sea. So if that's the, if that is the definition of the sea that we're talking about, if that's the definition of the size of the land they're given, then this is the land that they're due. Okay? 
all the way from see in red there, which is, is pretty much current uh, current um, Israel, all the way to Iraq, all the land in green, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, Saudi, uh, Kuwait, that all would belong, that would all be Israel. That's if the definition is that. Okay, now, Numbers 34, verse 1 to 12, is a bit further definition here. We turn there in Numbers chapter 34, it helps us a little bit more. And we can narrow it down a little bit more in Numbers 34. Because some people think it's that. Okay? Number 34 gives us a little bit more information. Verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you come into the land of Canaan, this is the land that shall fall unto you for an inheritance, even the land of Canaan, with the coast thereof. Your south quarter, so now we're going, we're going to get the north, south, east, and west. The south quarter shall be from the wilderness of Zin, which is the wilderness of Sin, the Sinai Peninsula, in the Sinai area, Sinai area, okay, along the coast of Edom, okay, and so you, you know where the Edomites were, we, we'll, get, we'll get to that in a little bit, okay, uh, where are we now? And your south quarter shall be the outermost coast of the Salt Sea. What do we call the Salt, salt Sea? The Dead Sea, eastward, and your border shall turn from the south to the south of Akrabim, and the pass unto Zin, and the going forth thereof shall be the south of Kadesh Barnea, and shall go unto Hazar Adar, and the pass unto Asmon, and the border shall fetch a compass from Asmon unto the river Egypt, and goings out of it shall be at the sea, and as the western border you shall have the Great Sea. The Great Sea is what sea? Mediterranean Sea, for a border. That's, that's the easy one, because just follow the Mediterranean Sea. And this shall be your north border, from the great sea you shall point out for uh, for you Mount Hor, and from Mount Hor you shall point out your border unto the entrance of Hamath, and the goings forth of the border shall be to Zedad, and the border shall be unto Ziphron, and the goings out of it shall be Hazar Enon, uh, shall be your north border. Don't know any of these places where they are. And she'll point out your east border uh, to those places. And the coast shall go down to Shepham, to Ribla, to the east side of Ayan, and the border shall be Sancha and shall reach unto the side of the Sea of Kinnereth eastward. Now the Sea of Kinnereth is what? The Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, okay? And the border, how do you know from the New Testament? And the border shall go down to Jordan, and the going, there is a river Jordan, by the way, and the going of it shall be the Salt Sea. Okay, so that gives you a loop around. Now, I swear that sort of eliminates that. Many believe that that's the borders, okay? Having read Numbers 34, I'm more convinced that the, um, it'll be closer to this. Now, as you, what you see there is what the, 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 the delineation of, of what God has promised, okay? But what you see in red, if you could move westward and go through the, the Grazi, the Mediterranean Sea, that land will be included, if, if I have my guess. Do you understand? Nobody really knows exactly where the borders are, and here's the reason why. Because we don't know where these places are. They were wiped out. Do you understand? Civilizations, civilizations came in, wiped them out, so the cities no longer exist. And so you're guessing. Now, we know where Jerusalem is. We, we've been there. You could unearth stuff. It's pretty clear where Jerusalem is. You can know where Nazareth is. You can know where Bethlehem is. But, but where are smaller towns? Where is, is, is um, um, Bethsaida? Where's Bethesda, you know, Ziklag? Where are these places? They're harder places to figure out where they were. At what, side, what spot? They think they know exactly 
where the Jordan, John the Baptist was, 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 was baptizing. I don't know how they figured that one out, but I guess they figured it out. But the point is that um, it, some areas are very, very hard to, 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 to realize where they are. But that's a pretty good estimation of, of the land that belongs. Now, let's go a little further. This again is another picture. Solomon came closest to claiming the boundaries of the land. Okay, he claimed most of us. But you, as you can see from the from the let's go backwards here, as you can see from this map, Gaza, Sidon, and some northwestern parts were unclaimed during his era. Okay, so those areas that uh, that are just on the their coastal regions like Gaza, Sidon, you can see those coastal regions. They were claimed by Solomon. So those are yet to be claimed. But if you can take a look, and I wish I had my pointer, we'll have a pointer next week. But this is modern day Israel. Here. Down here. Okay? Something like that. I know I, I could be a bit off. But give, give me, you know, give or take, it's that. It's, you know, the, the border is the River Jordan. Over here is Jordan's Bay. And it's just a bit north of, of the Sea of Galilee. It's somewhere in there, give or take, right? So Israel currently has about a third of what is maybe a quarter of what's coming to them. Now let's put this in world context. The Palestinians from the river to the sea want Israel, when I say the Palestinians, I want to correct myself. The, the extremists from the river to the sea, they want Israel wiped out. But there are other people like the Western world that want a two-state solution. Now what's wrong with the two-state solution? God promised this land to Abraham and to his seed. It doesn't belong to the United Nations. It doesn't belong to the Palestinian Authority. It doesn't belong to the Hamas or the Hezbollah or any other terrorist organization. And, and Israel is not a terrorist organization. There are people that belong in the land because God put them there. And the reality is, they don't even have all they were promised. And the issue is not should we be giving them less? The issue is, should we be giving them more? And how are they going to get more? Have you noticed that every time Israel has a war, no matter how much the odds are against them, they always win. And the reason why they always win is because God is with them. These are promises of the Lord to the nation of Israel. And the point is this. Israel does not currently possess all the land. And when I hear Mr. Netanyahu saying, well, we'll not have a two-state solution, I don't care if America frowns on that. I don't care, because America's wrong. I don't care about the Irish position, for sure, because Ireland is wrong. God promised Israel the land of, of, of that land and more, end of. And so Mr. Netanyahu is quite within his rights to reclaim, and I'm using the word reclaim because they traded the Gaza for peace, but they have every right to reclaim that Gaza Strip and take it back for themselves because it is their land. And more. You say, what about the Palestinians? I can't answer that question. Maybe the international community needs to come up with some solutions for that one. So I would say. They're already coming up with a solution. There's a lot of, was it about a third of them are displaced at the moment? And Ireland is opening up its borders without even checking at the moment. And I heard our Taoiseach say he's checking them, but what's coming in doesn't seem to add up to what they said. Go ahead. But I think even if you look at a modern day map of Israel, they don't even have what you see because you have the West Bank. Mm -hmm. And the West Bank yeah. is Palestine. Yeah, yeah. I think Good a lot point. of people forget that. Yeah. 
Yes. So it, it's smaller than you actually You've see many people modern, squished. <laughs> you know, yeah. most modern day maps. Yeah. You see the West Bank and you see Gaza. Yeah. And it's, the West Bank is quite big. Yeah, it is quite big. I don't have. I wish I had a picture of the West Bank. That's a very good point, and I didn't. I didn't actually address that tonight. But that's a really good point. You know, so Israel is being squished. They need more space. Yes. See, Solomon had lots of wives, and he made peace treaties, and by peace he extended his borders. He was given more land, and that's really what happened. So, uh, so, so Solomon got all that. But we need to support and pray for Israel because supporting Israel is supporting the plan of God. That's the bottom line. Okay. So finally, and I, let me just make this statement here. So Solomon came close to claim the boundaries. He claimed most of the land, but not all. Gaza, Sidon, we've talked about that already. And um, why do the boundaries matter? Israel does not possess all the land God has promised them. Land belongs, I've made that statement already. And we need to support Israel because it's the plan of God. But remember, and this is the final point dispensationalism, this is what this whole course is about. Dispensationalism argues for a distinction between Israel and the church. There is a distinction between Israel and the church, and we need to remember that. There are some people who don't believe our interpretation of scripture. They don't take it literally. And, and I've had this discussion with them, and I'm not gonna argue with them. I think it's pointless to argue with people. And they say, no, we do take it literally. No, you don't take it literally if you don't recognize Israel. Because God made, uh, am I missing so, something here, but did God make eternal promises to Israel? Is, is that, isn't that what he did? Well, if you don't recognize the eternal promises of Israel, then you're not taking the Bible literally. You with me? Does that make sense? God made promises, and dispensationalism recognizes, and that's our theological approach to Scripture, it recognizes that there is a nation called Israel. And we're going to pray for them, and we're going to bless them. Let's pray. Father.